Smoke that fades. And I want to ask you guys a question. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Like, when we think about wisdom, a lot of times our mind goes to what we see in, like, movies or popular culture, right? This, like, uh, traits and these tropes and characters and archetypes that we see of wisdom. Like, uh, for usually we see someone like an old man with a beard, right? Or when we think of a wise person, like in a movie, one of the people I jump to is Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? From the original Star Wars. Anybody Star Wars fans in here? All right, a few of you, nice. More than I expected. All right, so another uh, wise person from movies, Albus Dumbledore. How many of you guys Harry Potter fans? Wow, less than I was expecting for Harry Potter. All right, last one is Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. So, wax on, wax off, right? Like, he, uh, these people, they, like, are, are the characters that remind us of wisdom. When we think of wisdom, this is what we think of. But what do these wise characters represent, right? Like, things like someone who has mastered whatever their skill is. Someone who is humble and doesn't abuse their power. Uh, someone who doesn't desire fame or fortune. Someone who, despite great power, they only use it when they have to. Like, earlier today, uh, Brooke and I were watching The Lion King with Zion. We were watching the new one. I've never seen it before with, like, the live-action animals or whatever. And uh, Mufasa, the, the great wise king, he has a really wise line in there where he says, I'm only brave when I have to be. Being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble, right? They didn't abuse their power. They didn't use it because they had it, but they, they used it when they needed to, right? They weren't abusing their power, but they were humble about it. So my question is, is that what wisdom is? Is, is wisdom like being the old wise man character? Is that what it means to be wise? Well, wisdom is a weird concept that we don't think about a whole lot, Right, like wisdom is something that you get as you get older, right? That's how we think of it. You, when you get old, then you become wise. And so we think that you automatically get it. So maybe we don't have to think about it much until then, right? Like in our culture, we think that wisdom automatically happens when you can apply your life experience and your knowledge in a way that makes things easier, right? So this is part of it, sure. Like, that, that's part of what being wise is, is being able to use your life experience and your knowledge to be able to live better. But wisdom is less about being good at something and more about how you interact with life around you, your mindset towards life and what you're doing. And Ecclesiastes teaches us that wisdom is recognizing that we are not in control. And life tends to be unfair sometimes. So to be wise is to obey God and trust him regardless of the circumstances that we're in. That's what wisdom looks like. And so we've seen this kind of wisdom revealed as we've gone through the book of Ecclesiastes. But in the process of teaching this wisdom and what it looks like, it's also taught some pretty difficult to swallow truths. Like life is temporary. Worldliness is pointless. Fulfillment is unattainable. Frustrations are unavoidable. 
but it does all these, uh, teaches all these hard-to-swallow concepts because they give value to life, right? Like last week, we unraveled that death brings meaning to life because life is limited, right? Because it's limited, it's more meaningful. So we have to enjoy life and seek to uh, honor God by how we live because it doesn't last forever, We have to seek not to waste our lives by learning how to live a life that matters by being wise. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at just that. What does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to have a life that is filled with wisdom? And we're going to be kind of jumping around several chapters of Ecclesiastes. But again, like last week, we see these nuggets of truth. But this week, they focus on the idea of what it means to be wise. So let's look at the first one in chapter 9, where it teaches us, The idea that wisdom isn't foolproof. Wisdom isn't foolproof. And this is what it tells us in chapter 9. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So wisdom isn't foolproof. Oops, that's not right. Wisdom isn't foolproof. See, life can be unfair. That's just the reality of how things work in this world. We talked about this last week. Many things in this life are broken or random, right? Those who pursue evil can often benefit from doing that evil. Those who try to live righteously can be punished for how they act. The one that is in charge isn't always the one that is most deserving to be in charge, Right? Like, we've all been in these situations where we've had a teacher or a coach or a boss who didn't know what they were doing. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you were more deserving to be chosen for something than someone else, but you weren't the one that was chosen. Life can just be unfair sometimes. And living a life that is wise doesn't guarantee that everything will go well. Because wisdom isn't foolproof. Right? There's foolishness. There's sin in the world that messes up wisdom. It breaks wisdom. It breaks the order of things, and it makes life unfair. So the foolishness of others, or even your own foolishness, can spoil your wise actions. But the reality, as you already saw, is wisdom is better than foolishness. Wisdom is better than foolishness. Chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes continues on to say this. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than shouting of a ruler among fools. 
Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Wisdom is better than foolishness. See, despite life being unfair, wisdom is still superior to living sinfully. It's still superior to living a foolish life. Why? Well, the reality is that it's because life, this life, is not all that there is. There's more than just the life that you're experiencing right now. See, if this life is all that there was, then sure, live and do whatever you want to to make yourself happy, to benefit yourself. Harm people in the process. It doesn't matter as long as your life is good. But this life isn't all that's going to happen. This life is just the beginning. See, God will judge all evil. And living with wisdom by following God now matters to your eternity. See, living with wisdom is living with the discipline to follow God when it would be easier to benefit yourself by doing something wrong. So we have to recognize that wisdom is superior and better than foolishness. But another nugget that this section of Ecclesiastes is going to teach us is that wisdom requires balance. Wisdom requires balance, and it teaches this truth in two pieces, to be careful as you're being wise and to enjoy life as you're being wise. But we have to balance those two things, being careful and enjoying life. We have to be in balance with them. Imagine like a teeter-totter where one end is being careful and the other is enjoying life, and your job is to balance it, to make it sit evenly. See, the problem is that there's not a person on the other end to balance you out, and so the only way to make it happen is to sit in the middle, to be able to have a balance of both things, to experience both the carefulness of wisdom and the enjoyment of life that comes from wisdom equally. So the first one, the wise person is careful. We see that in chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. This is what it says. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So the wise person is careful. Remember, we talked about this last week, that we can't expect to understand God's every move. We can't understand everything that God is doing because his wisdom is above our wisdom. His knowledge is above our knowledge. He sees all. He knows all. He is perfectly good, and he does what is good. So we can't expect to understand everything he's doing because we're not like him in knowing all. We're not like him in being perfectly good. So God does all things in goodness. But we have to live carefully to consider how our decisions may be honoring to God or not honoring to God. You have to be careful to be wise. As we do so, you have to consider your motives. Are your motives to 
set on benefiting yourself or are they set on living for God? Consider your actions. Are your actions consistent with how the Bible calls you to live as a follower of God? Consider the outcome, right? Like, you don't know what will happen when you do something. You can't guarantee that it will go exactly as how you expect it to. But what are the possibilities, and where is God leading you to go? So consider your motives, consider your uh, actions, and consider your outcomes to be careful as you are trying to be wise. But Remember, we have to be balanced with this. We can't be overly careful. We can't be so worried about making the wrong decision that we don't do anything at all. We become paralyzed and don't do anything. We're so scared of doing something wrong and making mistakes that we don't do anything. When we become overly careful, we're uh, missing out on the life that God is giving to us. Being paralyzed in fear is not the life that God has called you to. That isn't the goodness that God desires for you. So we go to the other end of the spectrum and we see what happens with enjoying life too much. This is what it says in the end of chapter 11. Life is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity." So again, the other end of the spectrum shows us that the wise person enjoys life but lives to honor God. So on one end of the spectrum, we have to be careful in order to be wise. But on the other end of the spectrum, we have to enjoy life. So the author is encouraging us to enjoy our life. Remember that it's honoring to God when we enjoy the life that he has given to us. Following God isn't meant to be dull. It's not meant to be boring. It's not meant to be torturous. But instead, we're meant to live a life that recognizes the goodness of God's creation. See, we're supposed to enjoy our lives as we be careful. And the author of Ecclesiastes is constantly reminding us that God will punish all things and punish all evil. He'll judge everything. It says this in verse 9 that we just read, but God knows that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. See, God will judge everything, and he will punish evil, and we're accountable for what we do. God has promised to punish evil, so we have to live with consideration of our actions. Is what I am doing honoring to God? Is what I am doing loving to other people? Is what I'm doing selfish or selfless? We have to consider our motives. We have to consider the outcomes. We have to consider our actions. So consider which person you are on that spectrum. Are you the person that is overly careful or are you the person that's overly free? If you're the person that is overly careful, then push yourself to enjoy life and balance yourself to be both careful and enjoy life. If you're the person who is overly free, then push yourself to be more careful. Consider your actions and how they honor or dishonor God. 
And for both, there is a balance in the middle that you should seek of being careful and enjoying life. Wisdom requires that difficult tension between the two. The last nugget that we learn about in wisdom in this uh, chapter here is wisdom is a skill that can be trained, not a gift of age. Wisdom is a skill that can be trained, not a gift of age. And we see this at the beginning of chapter 12, the last chapter in Ecclesiastes, which says, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and, the one, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are, they are afraid also of what is high, and terror are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. See, a lot of times we think that wisdom is something that just happens upon old people, right? Like when you get old, you become wise. We associate it with life experience. So I've, I've lived enough life to be able to try enough things and I can apply my experience to be able to make wise decisions. That's what we think about wisdom, but that's not how wisdom works. Wisdom is a skill. Think about it. There are, are plenty of old, foolish people, right? There, not every old person is wise. It's not like you automatically become wise when you're old. So wisdom is a skill that you can hone or a skill that you can neglect, and Ecclesiastes is encouraging you to pursue wisdom, not just when you're old, but also when you're young. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. It's teaching you over and over again. It was giving these analogies of death, right? It was saying all these different things. That's probably the part where you were like, what the heck is this talking about? It was giving all these different things, these customs and things that people would do for funerals. Right? And so it's saying, before you die, before you die, before you die, before you die, remember God and be wise. Be wise by remembering God. Learning to be wise now when you're young, learning to be wise now wherever you're at in life allows you to be wise in your old age. It doesn't just happen magically. It doesn't just happen because you become old. It doesn't just happen because of years of experience. Wisdom happens because of a skill being trained. Wisdom is a skill that can be either honed or neglected. So how do you do that? What does it look like to learn to be wise? 
Sometimes I even question to myself, like, what exactly does it mean to be wise? Like, what is wisdom, right? Like, it's confusing. It's complicated. We've talked about a lot of different things covering what it means to be wise, but what exactly, how would you define it? Well, one of the beautiful things about the book of Ecclesiastes is that it's teaching you how to be wise the whole time you're reading through the book. And it's Difficult to see that when we're digging into specific sections and breaking them apart and gaining the principles there. But when you look at the overarching themes of Ecclesiastes, it becomes much easier to see how they're teaching you wisdom. So biblical wisdom is not just one single thing, which what makes it so difficult to define it. It's what makes it so difficult to learn how to live out. Biblical wisdom is learning to follow the principles of God, understanding the value of following God and having the motivation to actually do it regardless of the circumstances and the outcome. Biblical wisdom is learning to follow God. See, the world is broken, and so living life with wisdom doesn't guarantee that everything is going to go well for you. But Ecclesiastes reminds us that despite wisdom not always working to our benefit now, it will work to our benefit in eternity. See, remember, God will judge everything, and he will punish all evil. So living with godly wisdom now is only to your benefit in eternity. Living with wisdom is what it means to live a life with purpose, to live a life with significance, to live a life with meaning. And you maybe are thinking to yourself, I still have no idea what it looks like to learn to be wise. And that's okay, right? Like, here's a few action steps that I want to give to you guys to be, start pursuing wisdom. The first one is talk about it at your table. I know that we give you guys time to discuss things at your table every week, but use this time for your benefit now. Be vulnerable, be open, own up to where you need to grow and the things that you don't understand and your community can help you to work through that. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to talk to a leader one-on-one about it. Talk to a leader and ask them to help you to figure out what your next step is and learning to follow God and learning to be wise. And the last thing I want to encourage you guys to do is to ask God to help you become wise. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. God desires for you to be wise. He's not going to ignore you when you're trying to follow him by being wise. So pray to God and ask him for wisdom. Let me pray for you guys for the same. God, thank you so much for the wisdom of Ecclesiastes and how you're showing us that the temporary nature of our lives makes things more valuable. It makes our time more meaningful. It makes us need to recognize that our decisions matter and that following you or not following you matters. God, help us to be able to learn to be wise people. As the book of James tells us that you offer wisdom to all who ask, Lord, we ask for wisdom. Teach us to be wise. Help us to be wise people by learning to follow you more and more. Lord, I pray that as we discuss this right now and as we think about this and and try and live this out in the days and weeks to come, Lord, that you would be working through your Holy Spirit to guide us in this, to help us to grow in this. Help us to be wise. We need this, and we ask for your help in the name of Jesus. Amen.